The 100 Stop series created by hundreds and hundreds of authors. The 100 No-Nonsense book for teachers to stop doing certain things just came out in May. And other books are coming. The 100 No-Nonsense books for school leaders and parents and students written by students and school board members and politicians and even international schools. What are the things we can stop doing to still celebrate teaching and all be on the same page for education? Follow hashtag 100 Stop Series. We appreciate everything that you do and thank you for your service to kids. engagement, rigor, success. Here on Coaching You Through All Things Education Podcast, we are building a legacy of success together. One episode at a time, each Tuesday at noon. As your host, Anne Labangana Clay of ANC Unlimited, We will unpack relevant topics in education together. And when I'm not podcasting, coaching, or consulting, stop by our website, acunlimited.org, for our new blog, Coaching You EDU, and a menu of services. If something resonates with you during this episode, message me on the podcast app of your choice, or leave a comment on LinkedIn, our company Facebook page, or on Twitter. Our guests appreciate your feedback. Check out the story notes for our social media details. And certainly, if you have an episode suggestion, send it to coachingallthingsedu at gmail.com. Now let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to season three, episode 44 of Coaching You Through All Things Education podcast. As we circle back around to our series entitled PD in Your Pocket, where we unpack key do's or don'ts from the hashtag 100 stop series in 30 minutes or less. We are so excited to have with us today Eric Francis, who is an international author, educator for over 25 years, owner of Maverick Education, and an international professional development provider. But in addition to that, he is the collaborative author of that 100 Stop Series book, 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing, He wrote chapter 100. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, indeed. Thank you. All right. So please tell us about you, the work that you do, and your newest book that's coming out soon. Awesome. Well, um, as you said, I've been an educator for over 25 years. I've been a classroom teacher I was a site administrator. I worked at the state education agency here. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. So I worked for the Arizona Department of Education. And 2012, I decided to make a bold leap 
uh, and become a, uh, uh, what I guess you would call an education consultant. I don't really like that word consultant um, because it has you know, a double meaning to it. Um, I like to call myself professional education specialist. So in 2012, uh, first I started with an anchor job working uh, for a local uh, uh, charter school, charter management organization here, then consulted on the side. And about six months later, I decided to go full time. And my company's called Maverick Education, M-A-V-E-R-I-K. It's named after me, my name, Eric, and my daughter's Madison Avery. And I'm also a child of the 80s. So you can probably guess my favorite movie, which is Top Gun, um, <laughs> which is great because when I do professional development, they forget my name, they call me Maverick. So my inner 15-year-old, you know, feels really good. And Right, exactly. <laughs> That, and, and you know what? That's what bothered me the most about this pandemic because I've been waiting 36 years for this sequel and now I still got to wait. So, but I know it's going to be good because Paramount Pictures releasing it. And if they do, if it's not good, they put it on Amazon, like Coming to America 2. I don't know if you saw it, but that was hard. I yeah. I don't want to get us in trouble, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but they're not releasing Top Gun 2 on Amazon. So it's going to be good. Um, and so, you know, I started off, you know, what, what I do is I, I provided consultation to schools on how to develop and implement Title I programs, because that's what I did the State Department um, here in Arizona. And I started shifting more towards professional development, uh, using strategies I use as a teacher, especially when it comes to questioning. Uh, in 2016, I wrote my first book called Now That's a Good Question. It was with ASCD. And I'm proud to announce that next week, uh, is the release of my second book. This is going to be from Solution Tree. It's wow. called Deconstructing Depth of Knowledge, uh, a method and model for deeper teaching and learning. Wow. And if I had to say, well, what'd you do during the pandemic? Well, I wrote a book. And <laughs> what I did with it was um, I turned depth of knowledge. First, I explained what exactly it is. Mm-hmm. And that DOK wheel is completely inaccurate. And I explain uh-huh. why. Yes. And, and uh, I explain, give all the evidence behind it. But what I did was I turned depth of knowledge and the DOK levels into a multi-tiered system of support for delivering instruction, for responding to intervention, mm-hmm. and also extending learning. Uh, and also there's a part of it people don't really realize is actually a six level DOK for special education and English language learners. Okay. And it talks about basic comprehension communication for cognitive development for exceptional learners and language development for ELL. So I, I expanded that to show how that would work and also ex- expand the model for gifted and talented. So um, for exceptional English language learners, they called EDOC1, which is can I respond to the instruction mm-hmm. and DOK and EDOC2, which is can I reproduce the instruction in the target language or the basic comprehension communication skills. And then you go into DOK levels. Oh, wow. But for gifted, I call them GDOCs. And a GDOC one is acceleration for those students who can do things at deeper, higher grade levels. Right. And a GDOC two is enrichment. So how can I make it where the student gets more of a personalized ownership into it? So that book's coming out from Solution Tree next week. Um, if you go to solutiontree.com, you'll see it. And uh, it's the first and only book on depth of knowledge. So I'm pretty proud of it. So. Oh, that's incredible. Well, you know, Eric, I'm sure you're going to be giving us, giving me information so I can add it to our story notes so that people can go right to that link to order it. Most um, definitely. Yeah. So we're lo- really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for sharing, um, you know, this piece that's coming out, the piece, you know, that you wrote um, 
years ago. What was it years ago? When was your first? Well, it's about five years, but still, yeah, the, but like, still you know, when yeah. I write books, I try to make it timeless where it doesn't feel like Absolutely. that fits. Yeah, that fits that certain era. And that was actually a challenge about writing a DOK book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the DOK was very um, um, involved and very, very attached with the Common Core Standards. And one of the challenges of writing that book was that I wrote during the pandemic and I kept on saying to my editor, I need to make sure this book is applicable after we get through this. And I kept on saying, well, what are we going to need to get through it? And that's why I turned it into a multi-tiered system of support, an RTI um, and also an extended. I, I actually didn't show how DOK can support the four PLC questions. Oh, in which, nice. Yeah. So basically, it's like, what do we want the students to learn? That's the DOK level, the standard. How do we know they're learning it? You assess to that DOK level. What if they don't learn it? They you you tier it to the DOK level they are and build upon their strength successes so they can rise to and reach go beyond the DOK level. And what I do once they learn it, you go beyond the DOK level. So that's it's that's what I do with the book. So that's incredible. Well, I thank know you. I'm first in line. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, seriously, because you know, those are topics, like you said, they're timeless. You know, we're mm-hmm. we're always going to need to support kids in different ways than we do when we have a whole group, right? Or right. so um, you know, naturally people should be running out to get it to figure out how to do it better. And I think that's what you're saying. Is there have been models in the past? Eh, did they work? You know what I mean? Well, the hard part about the DOK wheel was completely inaccurate. And I go into that a little bit. Um, And and, and even like Norman Webb, who created Depth of Knowledge, he refutes the wheel. And so does Karen Hess. And uh, she actually wrote the intro that forward to my book. So I'm pretty grateful for that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, let us dive into, right, uh, your chapter 100 in No Nonsense Things That All Teachers uh, should stop doing uh, if, excuse me, stop teaching if you don't love the profession any longer. Ouch, 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 Eric. <laughs> yeah, that's right? how I felt when I was, when I first started writing it, because <laughs> sure. it wouldn't even be a chapter because, you know, the simplest thing would be to say, and, I, and it's funny when Rick, uh, Dr. Rick Jetter and Rebecca Coda, they wanted me to write this chapter. They said, this is what you're right. I didn't even have a choice. They right, said, right. this is what you're writing. And I said, I could sum it up in one word, quit, you know, but you know, the truth right. of the matter is, word. is that this is probably one of the hardest professions, not just, you know, in terms of workload, but social, emotionally, oh, um, academic, you know, in terms of our academic and cognitive, you know, thinking and, and our academic knowledge, but there's a lot of skills that come with what we do is teaching. Oh, and And there's a lot of things we can do as educators that pathways we may not even realize. So when they say stop the profession, if you don't love teaching, that doesn't mean you need to leave education. And it does also doesn't mean that you have to stop teaching. You know, one of the things that, you know, the reason why, I mean, I would have stayed in the classroom, but I was feeling burned out from all the work and the grading. And I went into administration. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be more of an instructional leader. And then when I found out when I went into administration and I, and I had the pick, I had the career all pat, planned out. It was okay, going to be yes. teacher, assistant principal, principal, yeah. go to district office, be a director of curriculum instruction. That was my pathway I wanted to go. Sure. Be an assistant superintendent, probably over um, secondary, become a superintendent, and then eventually be able to teach college when I get my doctorate. Right. Sure, yeah. But it didn't go that way. It didn't go and that way. 
what I realized when I, when I went into administration, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I, I did not feel like I was an instructional leader. Um, I felt like I became the police officer my grandfather always wanted me to be. Uh, both of them were NYPD officers, and I was using their interrogation techniques to find out who skipped fourth hour or who was in the bathroom caused that mess during sixth hour. Right. Um, I didn't enjoy it, so I, so I left it, and then I went to the State Department, oh. and that was really such a, a rewarding experience professionally Sure. And even personally, because I mean, it's really funny because people say like you go to bigger government bureaucratic organizations to go and like disappear, like uh, they go to, you know, you go there, you become more, you're not so much an educator as much as you are more of a compliance officer. But I really blossomed, I guess, like, like the word or bloomed when I was there, learned how to become a trainer and learn to become an uh, instructional leader. And what I really wanted to do with this chapter was to say that if you don't like teaching, it's not the end. Uh, if you like teaching, but you like maybe now teaching the teachers or teaching adults, okay, we'll go become an instructional coach exactly. or go into administration. Right. Um, but also, and it's funny because um, the second book's coming out and my chapter is going to be on um, don't just take jobs to get more money. Mm -hmm. Really know what, who you want to be as an educator. Oh, really yeah. know what your pathway is. Right. Um you know, there, there's such a, uh, it seems like such a fixed or linear pathway, but there's things you can do right now as a teacher, if you're not enjoying it, that you can go and transcend, you can become a trainer, you can, yes. what you're doing in your classroom right now is basically marketable. I mean, I, I wrote these two books and it was all about stuff I did as a teacher. I mean, they're all instructional strategies sure. and Absolutely. somebody said you should write a book about it. So, you know, when I say stop, teaching if you don't love the profession it's not to be a negative right it's to right. be a positive that you don't have to leave education mm -hmm. and if you do we're in a workforce that need people who know how to speak and know how to train oh, and know how to manage people and know how to plan and if you think about it as educators we have one of the toughest jobs because our our product is the output of our children in uh, terms of their yeah. learning, sure. but at the same time, we're managing behaviors. We have to be creative. We have to be dynamic. Nice. So you have a lot of strengths as a teacher. Don't think like it's the end. Think of it like a transition, a next step into doing yes. something. Yes. And that's the truth. You know, um, I myself, right. We, we just told you when we popped on here, you know, I was like, oh, I have a student, right? And I'm I'm now an acting assistant principal. Well, I was an instructional coach, right? As of this mm -hmm. past summer. <laughs> right. And three years prior, before that, I was in the classroom. But, you know, like you said, find is really important. You know, some people think of it as their why, some people think of it as their purpose, some people think of it as their pathway. You know, it's mm -hmm. really important to be reflective of where you want to go, right? Right. And um, and like you said, I mean, even for myself, my pathway, and I know my districts are like, wait, not right. <laughs> you have to go to principal, you know, next. My pathway is actually district office, you know, into uh, you know, maybe do some things on the state level. But the bottom line is, you know, once you know, right, then you can mm -hmm. be a value. Would you also speak a little bit about how probably our teachers, and th that might be in our next question about uh, strategies and advice, but, you know, if they're thinking about doing something besides teaching, right, administration, instructional coach, et cetera, 
you know, is there, are there things that they should probably do? Are there committees they should probably join? Are there, you know, um, um, different initiatives that they should probably join in on? Do you mind talk, speaking to that a little no, bit? No, I don't mind at all. Really think about why you want to basically, yeah, why do you want to go in this path? Um, okay. You know, I look, I'm going to be admitted to you, and this is why I think I'm writing the second the chapter in, in the second book. A lot of reasons why I went into administration is because you get paid about twenty, thirty thousand dollars more a year, you know. And I am, um, you know, I, we were a two-teacher family. My wife's a teacher, she still a first-grade teacher. Um, we made the decision that I would go into administration; she would stay in the classroom. Though, to this day, I still think it should be reversed. She she would have made a best, better administrator than I would. Oh. I, I wasn't, you know. I, I I I there's a lot of like, you know errors you make. And I, and I made a lot of errors and, you know, in hindsight, 2020, but what it did was it convinced me and made me realize that's not where I wanted to do in education, where I want to be. If you want to do instructional coaching, if you want to do professional development, you want to be that kind of leader, Mm -hmm. I would recommend um, getting involved and being a, a trainer in your district um, I would uh, volunteer to maybe do professional development classes after school within your district. Um, I would uh, ask your principal, can I go and train other teachers and the staff how to do things? I would also figure out how you can organize your stuff and um, write a book. And you don't have to go and basically go out and give it to you know one of the big publishing companies. I mean, you can self-publish. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really great about um professional development conferences is that they want classroom teachers more than they want me because Uh, I'm kind of seen like basically I'm selling something and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to spread a method message and give methods out there, but more so um, apply to present at conferences, apply to Mm -hmm. national, state, regional, topical conferences, um, start, start a blog with it, know where you want to go as an educator, yeah. if you want to go into school leadership, understand what that takes and what that means. I mean, there's a lot of times I talk to people who say, I say, why do you want to be a school leader? I want my own school. You never have your own school. I was gonna you know, even, even if you had a charter school and you decided to open up a charter, you know, I, I once had a, a former student of mine, he wanted to be a principal. I said, why? He goes, I, I said, he goes, I want my own school. I said, stop. You don't have your own school. It's your superintendent's school. And if he allows you or she allows you to do do what you want to do as a leader, that's how it works. Well, I want to basically show my teachers that I can do, you know, and basically it's not about you. You know, it you basically need to know where you want to go with it. And if it's not the direction you want to go with it, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's the biggest thing is that, you know, again, I thought I was going to be an assistant principal principal after doing it for a couple of years I realized this is not the track I want to be on I want to go and do professional development I want to be creative I don't want to you know have to go in and and deal out discipline you know and 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 uh you know deal with that I wanted to be one who was training more teachers work with curriculum work with instruction be that instructional leader for academics and uh and you know what? It, be be brave and bold enough to even see, you know, how can I go and do this? My own? You're in this position. You can have this as an anchor job, but you also can write on your side. You can write about instructional methodologies that are research-based and 
companies like ASCD and Corwin will publish you. Wow. Um, Dave Burgess Consulting, uh, Teach Like a Pirate. Nice. He wants more of the humanistic, more of the emo emotional, you know, he likes to say like it's a manifesto. And, and if you're that type of person who has a passion, right. then basically that might be the direction you want to go. It's, it's so funny because everybody has a book. You know, and in education, it's almost like screenplays back in the 90s. It's like you talk to any educator, oh, I have a book coming out and it's with this publishing company, it's with this publishing company. Really think about what makes you magical as an educator and how can you go and spread your, share your methods and share your message with others. Right. And, and there's always, don't feel like you're quitting, feel like you're transitioning, you're moving on, you're transcending. Sure. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world. And we're right now, probably one of the hardest times in the history of our careers, probably with teaching. I mean, I hear all these stories about this. I hear my wife's stories about what she comes home with. Nice. But think about if think about does your work bring you joy? Mm -hmm. Are you enjoying what you're doing? Mm -hmm. But I don't want to leave. You're not stuck. No. You don't have to stay. You can do something else. Right. I would not recommend a lesson for, for your mental health to break your contract. That's something completely different. Right. Yes. And most importantly, don't leave for the money. No. Okay. I, I, money does not bring happiness. I'm going to tell you that was my big mistake about going into administration is that I, part of the reason was, was that I needed to support my family. Sure. You, you, sure. you need to find joy in what you do Indeed. because money comes and goes and happiness is something that's hard to achieve. Yeah. But if you can be happy at what you're doing, then that's what makes you a rich man or a rich woman. Oh, yeah. indeed, indeed. I was very fortunate because I actually uh, finished my leadership degree in 2017. Okay. I'm just getting, you know, now getting into administration. But um, but the I was very fortunate to have two principals I worked under, you know, and learned under um, to said just what you said, do not get into it for the money. And I kept thinking, I was like, well, how can you not? Like you said, you know, the, the pay increase, you know, I mean, naturally that would make life easier. And, you know, I had a daughter uh, who was going into college soon. Now she's in there, but um, you know, my point is you, you said it and I, and I believe it, you know, and you, now you're now I'm have the salary, right. But the workload and it's fine because I, I was ready. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I went into it for a different purpose. Um, but that's important. I'm glad you shared that with folks that don't leave education for the money and don't, you know, make moves in education for the money. Do it for the because you want to do it or you and, it, and it's hard because I know, you know, think life's expensive, oh. you know, things. And, you know, well, I admit that the transition I made, you know, from being a, a working in a school, working in a district, working at the sure. State Department, has it gone on? I'm going to tell you this. The more money you make in a job, the harder you will work. Okay. So and you have to really love what you do. I think probably one of the hardest things, I mean, everyone says to me, oh, I want to do what you do. I want to be a consultant. I want to go and travel. I want to go. No, this is not vacation time. This is work. Okay. Like I'm going, I'm going away next week. You know what I'm going to go see? I'm going to go see the airport, my hotel, whatever restaurants open. Then I'm going to go work in some schools, which is great. But right. then I'm racing back to the whole, either the whole, I'm either going to go to a hotel and collapse and sleep because I'm teaching all day, or I'm going to go to the airport and try to come. It's not as luxurious, but you got to love what you do. And I love what I do. And I enjoy what I do. 
but you also got to have a discipline with it. Cause if you want to think, if you think consult, if you think consulting is the answer, then mm-hmm. don't become a consultant. Okay. If you think you. going independent and doing this is the answer. No, it's not. Every morning I wake up unemployed and I have to go and either a get a job, well, B do a job or C yeah. create a job or for, or D I have something to do. Gotcha. And, and luckily it's funny because in the pandemic, I mean, my, my stuff got torpedoed because people didn't want the PD and what I do, mm-hmm. but I had that discipline sure. to say, you know, I wake up, I wake up, I've been here in Arizona. So I wake up four thirty, five o'clock in the morning because that's the time stockbrokers wake up out here because that's when wall street opens I know that's and i have to go and base that's when the schools you know i start talking to schools on the east coast and then you know you have to have that discipline to do it but if if it didn't make me happy i'd stop but it makes me happy and you gotta be happy in what you do that's why i said stop teaching if you don't love the profession it doesn't mean you don't like kids it doesn't mean you don't like it means that you're not happy where you are and you can change, but you always can come back. Don't look at it like a setback. Look at it like a pit stop. Oh, indeed. I love that. Wow. You got it. Pit stop it is. Because <laughs> yep. even race cars have to change their tires and get, you know, and, and fill the gas tank, refill the gas tank. Well, that is so true. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I like that imagery, Eric. That's really cool. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Can you give our listening audience three takeaways or strategies for their career as they continue into the school year? Yeah. Know what you want to do in education. Know where you want to be. Um, that's one. That's the first thing. Know what you want to do and know what you want to be. And most importantly, know why. Mm-hmm. And I love Simon Sinek's, you know, the golden circle. Um, I actually did it, do a PD on it. We're actually turning into superhero origins. Like, so I ask you, why do you put on the cape and cow? And, and you, you make a mantra and you say two blanks. So that blank, how do you do it? That's now what makes you unique as that superhero. Like if you think about Batman, how does he do it? You think about Iron Man, how does he do it? Or you think about Wonder Woman, how does she do it? Um, And then, or Captain Marvel, how does she do it? And then you're what? is how you identify, is what you identify. Like you could say like, you know, yeah. So that's your first thing. Secondly, um, understand that if you don't get the position, it may have nothing to do with you. Okay. That's good. And there, there's sometimes forces at work and reasons why that have nothing to do with you. You know, one of the things I realized when I was as an, as an administrator, when I was trying to uh, interview for higher positions is that sometimes I was interviewed to say, and after a long search and looking at numerous qualified candidates in our district, we decided to go with this person oh. and it's part of the process. Yeah, so sometimes true. it's not about you. Sometimes there's a bigger thing to think about. And number three, I think the thing is this, is that you got to find the joy in what you do. Mm. And if your job is not bringing you joy, then you need to find, find that joy. You need to fit or, and if you feel stuck, then you need to figure out how you can bring joy to it. I mean, we are not controlled by our jobs. We control our jobs and what we do. We're not controlled by it. So you know, you got that standard, you got that assessment. All right. You know what? I'm going to make this as enjoyable as possible. Like one of the things I didn't really enjoy was that I felt like always we had to, you know, to test, the test, the test. 
So I used to have fun with it. And I used to go around my room and say to my kids after a month, I go, okay, I know what you guys are going to do. And I'd say, meet, 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 exceed if you want to, meet, exceed if you want to, meet, meet, exceed if you want to, meet. So they, so I the like kids would say, why'd you say we're all going to meet? I said, because I'm going to do my job. You're going to meet. Oh, and right, I know you can right. meet. And they said, well, why did you say exceed if you wanted to some of us? I said, because exceeding is a choice. Yes, you don't right. have to exceed. Yes. You can just meet, but you choose to exceed. And then I did some reverse psychology Jedi mind trick. Why'd you only say I could meet? Why can't you? Why did you think I would meet? I can't exceed. Do you think you can exceed? Yeah, good. Prove me wrong. Exactly. You know, so it's like that reverse psychology for it. So, yeah. so that's the three things. Know what you want to do. Know sometimes if you didn't get the position, it's not about you. And number three, find the joy in what you do. Yes. Wow. Great advice. I hope everybody's been listening <laughs> and tuning in so they can, um, you know, have a fantastic year and life, because I tell you what, those, those pieces of advice are perfect for everything. Thank you, Eric. You got well, it. This question is trending on the show. Mm -hmm. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what legacy message would you print on it and why? Always ask good questions. Oh, I like it. Yeah. My reason is, is because um, don't just accept things the way they are. When you ask questions, ask questions to, to learn, to be curious, to show your interest. Um, and, and it doesn't have to just always be like, why, 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 why? Like a kid who's two to five years old, though, that's a great thing. But ask questions, like, for example, one of the things that kind of keeps me going is I have this thing, I say, shift to what if. Oh. So, and, and that's actually my mantra in life. Like basically, um, you know, you think about education, we come up with these great ideas yeah. and then we try to say, okay, here's, why won't this work? That's not the good question we should ask. Right. What if it does work? What you know, I tell people, say, well, what if it doesn't work? I go, then I guess what? It doesn't work. But what if it did? Yeah. And that actually can even be a mindset for you as well. Like there's times like, I like, I know I have to go work out. I know I have to go and exercise, but man, I'm not feeling great. And I, I just want to watch TV and you know, oh, I, it, it probably won't make me feel better, but what if it does? Okay, go and do it. Cause I, cause that's the thing. We take solace in what we know won't happen and doesn't happen why it won't work mm. and that's a safety place mm -hmm. but the risk is well what if i tried what if i did it right. so i would always say always ask good questions be a lifelong learner um if somebody says does anyone have any questions think about that like as the same joy of doing show and tell because when i was in school when my teacher said, does anyone have any questions? My hand was up because I was like, man, I got so many questions. Right. And then, you know, what does it have to do with the lesson? Absolutely nothing. But you said, does anyone have any questions? You know? So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're an English thing. Right. So that's why my teachers used to go like this. They go, does anyone have any questions? I went like this. They go about the topic, Eric. No, I'm good. So, you know, so, so that's the thing. Always ask questions and, 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 and it'll make you laugh. Like, for example, Right now, if you think about what's going on with the pandemic, you think of what's going on with the vaccines. Sure. My question went to, well, how did we react when the polio vaccine came out? Or how, how do we, yeah, how right. do we react when penicillin Not came in out? line. Right. Well, <laughs> right. that's the thing. Or like, you know, another thing I do with the professional development is I said, what other generation has gone through something similar to what our kids have? Mm -hmm. And the conclusion was, was that the only generation we could probably trace it back to is the greatest generation of the of the Great Depression, That's right. and look what came out of that. Oh, really? so 
the question would be, how could we basically look at our kids and guide them, support them to become the next greatest generation wow. and not the next lost generation that happened after World War One? Mm. I mean, these yeah. kids, the kid, the greatest generation, they survived a depression and survived war. And some of the greatest things came out of that, out Isn't of that, that experience. Wow. Yeah. Oh. And our kids are on the verge of that. Our kids, yeah. they, I mean, they could be on a pathway to greatness because, and one of the things I, I keep on saying to people is that how can you consistently remind these kids that they are surviving and in some cases thriving yes. during a pandemic, oh, a global yeah. crisis. But reminding them, like you said, because I think even for our staff, right? I mean, mm -hmm. adults need to hear it too, but particularly our students, I, I'm walking in classrooms and seeing students thriving, you know, and sometimes they don't realize it, you know, right? because they're dealing with so much, you know, going on with other things, but the and remind them. Yeah. And remind them yeah. you're awake, you know, you woke up and, 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 and the other thing is this, basically don't, I tell people don't say it is what it is because you're surrendering oh, to the situation. Right, right? I say it is what you make it, I love you know? It. And, or even like, if you're in a mood, you go like this, you, you just, my focus is I say tragedy is temporary and I decide how I want to end this story to end. Okay. And, and like, even when I'm upset and people will see I'm upset, I'm like, okay, look, this is where I am right now. I know I'm not going to be here. Let me just work through it. You know? And so that's the thing is that again, two mantra, I guess two other billboards, I would say tragedy is temporary yes. and you can basically decide how your story ends. Okay. Yes. And the other one is that basically it is what you make it. Yes. Wow. Eric, I tell you, you have given us so much to think about. <laughs> I appreciate it. I hope so. Okay, right. Yes. And we are really looking forward to your newest book coming out and going to look for your other one on the shelves or on Amazon, right? Or how can we get your ace, um, your first book? Well, my first book's available at ASCD.org and also on Amazon. Yeah. Um, it's better to go to ASCD.org because okay. you can buy directly from the publisher. And my second one, uh, my first book's called Now That's a Good Question. Yeah. And my second one, Deconstructing Depth of Knowledge is right now available for pre-order on Solution Tree. It comes out actually, uh, this uh, upcoming week is when the orders are shipped, which is um, October 24th. And by November and 5th, you then. Okay. All yeah. right. So that's and November 5th is when it physically hits the streets. So yes, yes. Oh, well, we wish you continued success, Eric. And thank you thank so you. much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you for having me on your show and, and uh, providing a forum where, you know, I can share some messages and methods. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Until next time. Well, that concludes another episode of Coaching You Through All Things Education. As Confucius states, those people who develop the ability to continuously acquire new and better forms of knowledge that they can apply to their work and into their lives will be the movers and shakers in our society for the indefinite future. Again, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, or you can also find us on our Facebook page, A&C Unlimited. As a reminder, for a free consultation in any area of education that you choose, for educators, administrators, or parents, please visit acunlimited.org 
Until next time, stay stress-free and be well.